0: Welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Milzoff, senior editor at Billboard and Broadway expert here. So it's a well-established fact at this point that a lot of movies are adapted into Broadway musicals these days. Some of them make sense. Others do not make so much sense. But if there's one movie that in retrospect was probably for years crying out to come to the stage, it's School of Rock, the 2003 film starring Jack Black. On so many levels, it made sense to become a musical. Of course, there's the basic plot, which is all about how a music teacher introduces rock and roll to the kids at a strict private elementary school and changes their lives so much for the better. The movie was directed by Richard Linklater, whose films have always had music as basically kind of their lifeblood. And of course, Jack Black himself is in a rock band, Tenacious D. Uh, So it was always completely about music and the thrill of performing it. So when School of Rock did debut on Broadway, it didn't feel like a huge surprise. But what was kind of shocking was the fact that the music, aside from a couple of songs which transferred from the film was by Andrew Lloyd Webber, the longtime Broadway legend who wrote Cats and Phantom of the Opera, among many other very grand shows that maybe don't immediately bring to mind rock or a, a great sense of humor. Um, but yet another very pleasant surprise was that it turned out he was a great match for this material. He clearly was having a lot of fun with it um, because the musical totally captures the joy and the, just like the rock energy of the movie from beginning to end. School of Rock opened on Broadway in late 2015. It ended up getting four Tony nominations at the time. And it just recently announced that after this very long run, it will close January 20th of next year, 2019. So now seemed like the perfect time to catch up with a group from the show, see how it's going. This is definitely one of the most diverse groups of guests I've had on the podcast. There's Justin Collette, who plays the lead role of Dewey, uh, Levi Buxbazin, who, as Freddie, is one of the incredibly talented kids in the show. He knows more about metal than probably I do or many other grown-ups. grownups. Uh, and music supervisor Ethan Pop, who has been with School of Rock since its beginnings on stage. This is surely the only podcast about Broadway where you will hear a stellar rendition of a Foo Fighters hit. So please enjoy my chat with some of the band from School of Rock.
1: There's been one solution. To
0: what a serious group of people I have here today Very in serious. the Billboard Library. Absolutely yeah. <laughs>
2: serious.
3: Uh, so who are all of you?
2: Uh, I'm Ethan Pop. I'm the music supervisor of School of Rock.
3: I'm Levi and I play Freddie the Drummer in School of Rock.
1: I'm Justin Cole. I play Dewey Finn in School of Rock.
0: And in case it wasn't clear that you played Dewey, you walked into the office today doing like some sort of Ministry of Silly Walks situation. I, no, it's my it's
2: my dance. I'm I'm a mover. <laughs> it's you, actually how he <laughs> walks down the street <laughs> for
0: the most part. He needs a five foot radius around him. At I all do. Times. I do,
1: which is tricky in this city. But I, I poke a lot of eyes out. <laughs>
0: You make it work. No, thank you. Uh, well, I'm delighted to see all of you. I uh, I saw School of Rock when it first opened, so I feel like it's probably maybe changed in some ways since I, I first got there. But uh, you guys are, I think, like the the closing Broadway cast, right?
1: That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take this thing out in a blaze of glory, <laughs> white hot glory into yes. the sunset. Horses, sunset, glory. Rainbows. <laughs>
0: I was going to say, no pressure at all. But you are the people who history will remember. Good. <laughs> Uh, Hopefully positively. Hopefully positively. Yes. So I have to say, Ethan, you have more piercings than the usual Billboard on Broadway guest.
2: Yeah, does that read on the podcast? Can everyone see it? I told you the physical
1: bits were going to pay off. I told you all of our physical yes. bits were going to pay off.
0: I wish there were like w- w- whatever the visual version of like smell-o-vision would be for podcasting. It's a television. <laughs> it's an actual television <laughs> where people do interviews. Not not like on the radio. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I... I'm curious whether you all came to this show from a sort of purely Broadway background or what were you kind of doing musically before you came to School of Rock?
2: Oh, my oh my goodness. Uh, well, I came to Broadway completely by accident. I, I studied I studied performance music when I was in college uh, and thinking I was going to be some sort of, I don't know, uh rock star something or other. And it was actually the summer after my freshman year of college that uh, I started music directing and theater and conducting orchestras. And I thought it was just going to be something that, uh, that I did temporarily as like a summer job. And here I am now, 20 some odd years later, still, still doing it and supervising shows and orchestrating and arranging. And uh, yeah. But I, but I didn't purely come from Broadway. It was just kind of by accident.
0: <laughs> and have you stayed in the in the kind of like rock pop musical realm before this or was this like a departure for you? Uh,
2: no, this this was uh, I think right in my wheelhouse. I mean, I was the supervisor, arranger, orchestrator for uh, uh, Rock of Ages uh, back in 2007, 2008 yes. um, and then did the worldwide productions of that, uh, Motown the musical, you know, and, and, and sort of, you know, this sort of music was very much, uh, you know, in the realm of what I grew up listening to in terms of like, you know, guitar driven rock and roll. So it just seemed like a very natural, uh, natural fit.
0: Awesome. Levi, how did you become the
3: rock and drummer on stage? <laughs> uh, so I really did not want to be on Broadway before this. <laughs> 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 like... My family's always been a huge, like, theater family, so I kind of just, like, watched the Tonys, just sat back, and I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, it's cool and all, but I didn't really think much of it until my mom was just like, hey, they're looking for a drummer in School of Rock, and I'm like, all right, we can do that. And then I started auditioning and then got callbacks, and that's kind of when I became more serious about it. That was, yeah.
0: But is this is this like your first musical, period?
3: Uh I did one other musical in Charlotte, but that's it.
0: So I guess you're the, the bar is set high. <laughs> it's only downhill from here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what do, what do you think of Broadway now?
3: I love it. <laughs> it's great. It's a magical world. Ha <laughs> ha.
1: Nice.
0: I, I couldn't have put it better myself. It's a
1: magical world. Yeah, I didn't. I, I also I didn't uh, see myself coming to um, <clears throat> to Broadway. I did a lot of my, my voice sounds weird. There we go. Um, uh, I did a lot of stage acting and improv and and sketch comedy is more like the background that I come from. Mm-hmm. I was also in a band uh, that was kind of my first uh, foray into arts. I guess was was writing and playing rock music, um, and so when uh, the audition for this came across my email inbox I was like well this is perfect this is perfect for me this is like a venn diagram of everything that I've ever done um and then I auditioned for it and also here I am and it's a magical place it is it's so magical very magical it's magical I feel
0: like the two of you should take like an act on the road just from
1: we do yeah <laughs> I uh, he uh, I'm a ventriloquist and I just he talks <laughs> <He's-> <laughs>
3: yeah <laughs> right sure is that our act? Yeah. We're gonna
1: take our pipes on the road. We have sweet pipes. Yes. Which again raids on radio. It's perfect. Our biceps are amazing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Well
0: yeah, I wanted to know before we talk about the band on stage, like what are your personal histories with bands? Like what do you what what do you play? Like what kind of what were your rock inspirations before coming to the school of rock?
2: Oh my goodness. Should I start? Yeah, let's do it. Uh I grew up playing piano, I mean, starting when I was five years old, Um, and the inspiration for that was actually listening to film music. For whatever reason, I grew up an hour outside of Boston in the era where John Williams was conducting the Boston Symphony and the Boston Pops, and went to see E.T., um to give you some indication of how old I am. Mm. Uh, when I was about four years old and fell in love with the music of E.T. and started playing piano and begged my parents to take piano lessons. They eventually allowed me to. Um, and I was sort of directed towards classical music. Um, but then I started, you know, paying attention to how piano was used in things like Motown music and, you know, different uh, piano singer, songwriters, Billy Joel, Elton John, Bruce Hornsby, um, and discovered that there was something else you know, in, in, that, that could be done with piano other than classical music. Um, and then during high school, I lived in a town uh, called Sunapee, New Hampshire, which no one has ever heard of except for the fact that Steve Tyler of Aerosmith grew up there oh. uh, and still has a summer home there. And when I was flipping hamburgers at the little place on the lake uh, when I was 14 years old, Steven Tyler and his wife and their kids used to come up to the window to get ice cream. And at the time I was playing in a band and I thought that was really cool and thought, oh, well, maybe there's something more to music than just having it be a hobby. You know, if this guy can do it, maybe I can do it too.
1: Did you ever pitch him on like... Can we open for you guys? I would have found that impossible to resist at fourteen or fifteen. I would have like tried to get into Aerosmith.
2: Um, no, no, <laughs> no, no? Uh. No, we, no. We were we were we were a little shy. You know, we we were playing on a, like a little bandstand in front of fifty people, and you know, uh, Steve Tyler and Joe Perry walk up and watch us holding their ice cream cone with their kids, and you're like, ah, okay, <laughs> time happening? to level up. <laughs>
0: Amazing. I have to interject and just ask cuz it comes up on the podcast so much like Billy Joel as an inspiration for theater people.
1: Yeah. Like
0: why I actually just saw him at Madison Square Garden for the first time and it was Yeah, I
1: saw him a couple months ago too.
0: It's pretty great. He's right? amazing. Yeah. Like yeah. so why why do theatrical people love Billy Joel so much? Do you have theories?
1: I think it's cuz his his music is lyrical in a way that it, that music theater is too. Mm-hmm. Uh, like music theater music tends to uh, the chords tend to follow the story of the song. and I think that Billy Joel is one of the pop one of the only pop artists I, I can think of that actually follows that structure. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't have like a, a one, four five like standard pop progression that a lot of artists use in their songs. He, his like scenes from an Italian restaurant is just the music follows where his story's going. Mm-hmm. So I think that matches up a lot with uh, what music theater. Uh, is I also think that he's got just the widest array. Like he he did scenes from an Italian Restaurant and also like We Didn't Start the Fire. Uh, so his his range is incredible of the type of songs that he writes. But Ethan, you probably yeah I,
2: I think I think for me it comes down to two things. One, like Justin was saying, the the, the music is compositional in nature as opposed to just being buddy holly you know one six four five here's some chords and here's a story but it's but it's also you know he's not just a lyricist but he's a storyteller and if you look at his first album cold spring harbor all the way through underappreciated i feel Absolutely, I All the way through ever. River of Dreams, it tells the story of this, of, of, of this guy's life growing up on Long Island. And, and you listen to the first track on Cold Spring Harbor all the way through the last track on River of Dreams, and you have the story of his life, much like we use songs to tell stories in theater. So I think that is uh, a, a, you know, a huge reason why people within theater arts tend to look to Billy Joel as some sort of inspiration or having some sort of effect on their lives. Mm-hmm. You know.
0: That makes sense to me. Uh, Levi, so tell me about how you came to rock, because I feel like a lot of young people today, rock is maybe not the first thing they listen to. Uh,
3: it should be, because it's just yes. fantastic. <laughs> preach, preach. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, uh, I started playing drums when I was about four years old. And about, I don't know, a couple years back, I was in this band called Juice Box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excellent name for a that band. That is the best band name ever. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm so mad.
3: <laughs> hours i spent the... trying to come up with a band name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then... uh we did a couple gigs, some, like, backyard stuff. Who was in your band? Uh, so my dad teaches music lessons and kind of...
1: Was your dad in your band? I got
3: connections. Oh, you
1: got connections, okay.
3: I got, yeah, bro.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know everyone. <laughs>
1: did you guys write your own stuff or did you cover stuff?
3: No, we covered stuff. A lot of rocks, you know, Billy Joel, all that. Great stuff. Back with the Billy Joel again. You can't you can't,
0: can't get it. away
3: from it.
1: No. Can't escape the
0: Joel. Can't what what besides Billy Joel were you doing?
3: <laughs> uh uh I don't know. Lou Luai. Lou You know that song? Yeah. This is a good song. Uh I'm trying to think. I think that
1: was, <laughs> was Just Billy Joel and Louie Louie?
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so. yeah fo- focus repertoire.
1: <laughs> Just play Half of the River of Dreams yeah. and put good measure for on a Louie
0: And call it a day.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know.
2: Yeah. What do you I like listening to?
3: I was listening to a lot of Rush back then. A lot of Rush.
1: I want to say Levi's taste in music is is. Upsettingly refined. Like, uh, he'll, he'll come into my dressing room uh, before the show, and I'll be like, Hey, man, check out this song. And I'll say some, like, stupid punk song from. Uh, I was a huge fan of punk music uh, like, growing up, and I'm like, Hey, man, look at this song. And Levi's like, Uh huh. Uh-huh. And I can see his eyes, like, glaze over. And then I'm like, What are you listening to? And he's like, Look at this jazz guitarist. And it's this incredible. He's listening to, like, this. Uh, He's, he showed me a YouTube video of this guy playing jazz for like 75 minutes, and he's like, I'm wow. listening to this. And he walks out of the room. I'm like, I listen to it. It's the most complicated song I've heard in my entire life. I don't know. Do you, do you, do you sit in like a smoking jacket and your velvet slippers listening to jazz music at home? Friggin' no, genius. It's
3: mostly metal music I listen to.
1: He also loves
3: metal. I it's love nice. metal, bro. I it's, know.
1: They've got great drumming. Jazz and metal yeah, they and, they and prog rock. What else? What more do you need? You need Blink One Eighty Two. You need Green Day. Yes, yeah. Green offspring. Day.
3: Yes, <laughs> I love Green Day. You
1: need you need Propaganda. You need Anti Flag.
0: Yes, this is like my high school that you're talking <laughs> yes. about. Yes, Warped Tour. Yes, Warped
1: Tour. <laughs> oh man, Montreal, fifteen. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah.
0: That is, so so that was your rock upbringing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I loved I love the uh, I love the simplicity of like pop punk. I love just. Blink 182 playing four chords and getting one riff and hooking it into you and it just bearing Andrew Lloyd Webber does that too. I find with his shows, like you don't ever leave an Andrew show without a hook in your head. Everybody knows if you say Phantom of the Opera, the second you hear that name, to me, you just like the damn bam 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 Everybody knows that hook, um, and I love that in music. That's what drew me to 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 pop and and to that that pop punk stuff is that it was just simple chords with a hook and it was easy for somebody learning how to play music it was a great way in because it was like oh i can do that i can play tom DeLong's songs yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it took me a few months to learn and
2: yeah. then they
1: got quicker and quicker but it's it's a it was a great starter kit for learning how to write songs and build songs
2: yeah and that, well and that speaks to a lot of like a, a songwriter or a composer's longevity as well i mean talking about like the uh, how prolific andrew is in his writing and the, and the fact that phantom of the opera is so recognizable but you know mm. people would say you know same thing about the beatles you mentioned beatles too yeah you know, someone of my parents generation or someone of, of levi's generation and everybody you know can sing at least a handful of beatles songs you oh know? for Whereas sure with like andrew lloyd weber he's you know one of the most prolific songwriters of the, of, of the world billy joel that's why he sticks around for so long too
1: can we get Billy in here?
2: Is Billy outside? <laughs> I don't,
0: Billy, I, we don't have a helipad. I feel. I like. know he ch- he
1: takes a helicopter.
2: I to
0: imagine him Garden, just right? taking a helicopter
1: everywhere. I yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if I was Billy Joel, I for sure would take a helicopter <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, go to get some eggs and milk.
0: I just it's imagine like it's right the, into that Key Foods. It's the only way he travels. In He's just humming
1: "River of Dreams." <laughs> yes,
2: <laughs>
0: some things to aspire to. Well, since we're talking about Andrew Lloyd Webber, now is the time on the podcast when we talk about Andrew Lloyd Webber. Let's do it. Uh, I I feel like the the one of the main delights of School of Rock is you're like, whoa, this is Andrew Lloyd Webber. Like Andrew Lloyd Webber is having fun and being silly, and like I think this was like a really Pleasant surprise to everyone when uh, when the show first opened, and I think it was um, part of like a big part of the like really good buzz around the show when it started. Um, when you heard Andrew Lloyd Weber doing School of Rock, did you immediately think, "Oh, that makes sense," or like how did you sort of wrap your mind around that? I assume you were working.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, directly. I was, I was, I was in uh, into the fold very early on, and I remember when Nina Landon, our executive producer, called me and asked me if I would like to have a conversation with Andrew Ford. I was in rehearsals for. Uh, another show at the time um, for Hedwig and the Angry Inch and I stepped out of the rehearsals to take this call and I spoke to Nina about it, and, it sh- and she mentioned Andrew Lloyd Webber and Julian Fellows and Glenn Slater and School of Rock and I thought and I thought, oh wow that sounds fantastic um, absolutely I'd love to meet with him and, and discuss the project and I got off the phone and I was back in rehearsal and ten minutes later I went Andrew Lloyd Webber and Julian Fellows? school of rock huh? <laughs> yes you're like um,
0: at how british does it get <laughs> yeah
2: but but you know going through the experience of working on the you know we we did it we did a developmental run off broadway just for a few weeks just to sort of try out the material and you know i mean julian fellows writes epic stories um andrew lloyd Webber writes epic musicals and there's something so epic about about this storytelling and what it does to humanity and like never giving up on, you know, on on one's dreams, you know, and also being able to follow, you know, follow your heart and follow, uh, you know, chase after the things that you love and, uh, you know, and, and and going through it, you know, th- though I was, you know, at first, I think, you know, s- surprised at the choice of, you know, composer, book writer, you know, it, it was it was. It absolutely made sense. And, you know, I think what we what we ended up with was it was a was a show that really touches so many people, um, you know, of all age, of all ages because of who was contributing to the storytelling.
0: That makes sense. I have to say that, like, after I saw it, I was like, oh, if you think about it, like Rocket. I think there is a rock through line to a lot of his music. I mean, like with Jesus Christ Superstar and even in Evita, there's Mm -hmm. like kind of a rock energy to a lot of the music. And the opening to Phantom is like kind of like low key headbanging music. Yeah. (laughs) Phantom is like kind of metal. Like there's some
1: songs in it that if if you just slapped a distortion filled guitar on it, it would it would sound like it would sound like metal. Yeah. I mean, for me, when I heard about it, like, again, I got I got the audition for it. It was like School of Rock. I was like, oh, cool. And then I saw Andrew Lloyd Webber. I'm like, this might as well be a part of it. <laughs> like, if we're going to go big, it may as well be the biggest thing in the entire world. Sure, the guy who wrote and created Downton Abbey and Godsford Park did the book. <laughs> yeah. It's a Jack Black movie. They're turning into a musical. And why not have Andrew write the music to it? Like, it's just, it's... It's it's a, an embarrassment of riches. It's, just, it's, <laughs> Absolutely. it's an unbelievable uh, uh, group of people working on just, uh, uh, yeah, an, uh, an epic, but like simple story, which is which I think are the best ones.
0: Uh, yeah, it's about as epic as it gets. Levi, did you like know who Sir Andrew L.W. was yes. before this? OK, <laughs> so were you like, wait a minute, how is this guy doing rock music?
3: Yeah, it was kind of weird at first, because, like, I only knew him for Cats and Phantom at that time. So I was like, wait, he does rock? And then my sister was just like, oh, yeah, he does rock. That's, yeah. <laughs> she's <was> like, <laughs> casual. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, she, like, she's a huge Broadway geek. Well, both of them are. And then I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I'll audition. Why not?
0: Yeah,
3: right. I love rock, you know? Drumming, bad. getting paid to drum—like, yeah. what's better than that? Literally nothing. <laughs> nothing. <Yeah. laughs> Sorry, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> you think that, wait, how was I burned there? <laughs> <laughs> <Working with laughs> pretty trying to fun. figure it out. What? Working with, with you is pretty fun.
1: fun. Thanks for—he's th- giving me a firm handshake. You guys can't see
3: this. Wow. Firm. Ah! <laughs> you make a noise with it. Wait.
1: <laughs> there you go. Well, you heard the handshake.
0: I mean, putting the the band on stage, the scenes with the band on stage are, I think, the the best parts of the show. And, um, you know, I think in real life, like, you can't force band chemistry. Like, it's something that happens over time and it's like a unique mixture of personalities and talent and... Uh, this seems like a really unique thing to make work on stage and also to feel, as I think it does, like there is some spontaneous energy. Like it doesn't just feel like totally choreographed. Mm-hmm. So how do you, in addition to the normal kind of rehearsal you have to do for a musical, like how do you make this band happen and, and, and sort of build that bond?
1: Wow. Uh, it's... That's a great question. How do we make that bond? It, it It's... I've I've had uh, uh, several different casts of kids come through the show in the last year uh, that mm-hmm. I've been involved with it, um, and it's it's funny. It always just seems to kind of work. I mean, we have great. First of all, I think we have great casting people uh, who are are constantly working to bring and find amazing kids into the show, uh, and so the, the the people that they're bringing into the project are just are great people to work with. And you know, we do the show constantly. I mean, this it's eight shows a week, and so after a while, you just kind of Feel the different uh, how how everybody kind of works together, the different vibes of everyone. And, uh, yeah, it just, it, it kind of clicks. That was a medium answer. Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, I you know, wish
0: everybody here, like, graded their answers. Yeah, that
1: was, was, a, that was medium I good. give myself a C on that answer.
2: <laughs> if you're still listening so, to this. So, I, I you know, I, I think from my point of view, you know, looking back to when I first got involved, I realized that this was going to take a very sort of special set of circumstances, not only because we have young people in the show, um, and there are plenty of shows with young people, but then, you know, we're asking them to be able to sing, to be able to act, to be able to dance and be able to play instruments at a very high level um, and play them live on stage every single night. And there's nothing, uh, you know, there, there there's nothing faked. There's nothing. Yes, we have a, you know, a, what we would refer to as the pit band under under the stage that plays the, you know, the the songs that the, that the kids aren't playing. Um But we knew early on that the energy of the show was going to revolve so much around, you know, what these kids did live every night. Um, And and within that, we were, you know, getting kids together who didn't have experience, um, you know, playing, you know, in front of, you know, 1500 people every night. Um, didn't have experience playing on TV, didn't have experience, you know, playing in recording studios. So one of the things we did very early on with our original group of kids, even before we started the developmental run off Broadway, was took them into a world-class recording studio here in New York, and we spent three days there just jamming. You know, and we listened to multi-track recordings of um, a bunch of really famous rock acts um, and sort of evaluating them and, and figuring out how you know you know bass and drums interplayed and you know how guitars you know pan left panned right solos in the center solos doubled like we were really just sort of evaluating music and jamming and you know having the opportunity to listen to one another and you know you know critique ourselves as musicians and sort of you know get them to start experiencing music in the realm that they were going into and just have a a, a lot of fun so i mean we were playing you know um a lot of acdc that weekend (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, And we just sort of, you know, Justin has a line in the show, what's, you know, what's the, uh, what's the first thing you do when you start a band? You talk about your influences. And we did a lot of that. And we, and we, you know, we were jamming on those influences. Um, So with that being said, when we started going, you know, once the show was up and created, uh, we needed a way to sort of keep that vibe going. So... uh, we have our own rehearsal facility just a few blocks from the theater, like a block from the theater here in New York, uh, where we can hold band rehearsals, where all of the equipment's set up, and anytime we need to, we can get over there, we can jam, we can work on music, all of, you know, any new cast member uh, that's coming into the show, they do all of their rehearsals over there, and, you know, we just kind of keep it, you know, loosey-goosey, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Levi, as as a veteran of juice box like why do you think why 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 do you think which, which sounds pretty serious to me what why do, why do you think serious. it works with you and the other kids and Justin I
3: don't know i i think it's just because i've always been in the kids bands and just the chemistry works so well and then Justin just adding on to it just being like ah, guys let's rock like stuff like that I do just yell at them like pumping, that pumping <laughs> pump making us pedal like push forward into the music just getting really into it it's it's epic
1: yeah i've started a for real band with three of the kids who are not in the show anymore oh really yeah we we, we play oh, we, yeah. we play these charity shows like it's it, the 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 chemistry and the jamming is it, it it is real with some of these with some of these these kids and and uh, the four of us did a charity concert like a year ago and then we we're like oh this kind of works it's me brandon niederauer who's the original guitar player jersey sullivan who's the original uh uh, 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 uh james in the show and ragoff uh, uh who is one of the uh drummers that came along and the four of us just loved playing music together and so now we do it for charity like every few months and that's it's, amazing it's it's a blast and it's actually really fun.
0: Brandon is like the mini Hendrix,
1: basically. The Brandon right? is the mini Hendrix. Yes, yes. he's incredible. He's wow. unbelievable. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I okay. was going to say, as a, as someone who has played with like adult bands, is there is it more fun in certain ways to play with kids?
1: Uh, it's 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 really the talent and the chemistry, the thing that you're talking about. It's it's like the age thing doesn't really come into play with some of these kids. I mean, I don't know what what Ethan did when they first started <laughs> or how they found them, but their 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 ear for it is incredible. And like I, I remember when we first were rehearsing with this band that I'm in with these kids who graduated from the show, the the bass player who's like 13 maybe jersey is was running the rehearsal. He just was like that wasn't tight enough. We need to go back and tighten that up. And I'm like, "Yep." <laughs> so they're just like he just they just hear it. They're just they're they're, they're brilliant, and I, I think that like it doesn't really matter how how old you are. It's it's how it's your your love of the music kind of just comes through and your commitment to it. Mm-hmm. So.
0: I was curious in general, like how an audition for School of Rock is different from an audition for like Carousel. <laughs> um, I mean, what were you were you involved in the casting process? Ethan? Oh
2: yeah, every 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 moment of it. Well. um I, it would differ from a carousel audition in the fact that you're not often asked to play electric guitar in a carousel. Yeah.
0: Audition. <laughs> there's that. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs>
2: um, I didn't see the the recent revival, but I don't think they added <laughs> no, distorted no, guitar. No, it's really great, but
0: there is no electric
2: guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, certainly in in any Broadway show, there's there there's certain aspects that are very similar in the you know in the, in the realm of casting. You know, can you act? Can you sing? Can you dance? Um, the school of rock is different because we asked people to bring in a a pair of drumsticks in, in Levi's case or, you know, their own guitar. And I remember, you know, going back to the original, uh, original cast of kids and trying to find them. I was daunted with the task. I'm sitting there saying, are we going to find, you know, 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds that can play at the level that I am imagining in my head um, and that I know that a Broadway audience will sort of require. And we, you know, and, you know, thankfully uh, we had a great casting team from Tara Rubin Casting, you know, and we were all kind of like going out and scouring the internet and, you know, television shows and just trying to find, you know, these kids um, from... uh, you know, wherever we could. And I remember meeting Brandon Niederauer for the first time and he came into one of these auditions and I hadn't heard of him, um, at the time. And he comes in with his guitar and his dad comes in and brings a little pedal, pedal board, you know, with, with, with like a distortion pedal. I was like, oh, this is cute. Um, <laughs> I said, well, what are you going to, what are you going to play and sing for us? And, and he said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to play Dead or Alive. You know, and he goes into the intro and I was like, oh, that's really cute. He can, you know, he can arpeggiate, you know, on a, on a clean sound really nicely. Oh, he's got a really nice voice. And I actually got up and went over to the piano and I was like, I'm just going to jam with him and see how tight he is rhythmically. And, you know, we went through the second verse and second chorus of the song and I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to dig in just in case he wants to play a little bit of a solo here. And I remember the moment that we got to the guitar solo and he stomped on his distortion pedal to pull up his lead tone and his entire demeanor changed and his face changed. And <laughs> he does he, have that face. Stank face. Yeah, stank face. And, yeah. And, and, and he tore into one of, for lack of a better term, the tastiest guitar solos I've ever heard. And he wasn't, he wasn't copying the original guitar solo. This is something that, that, that he felt inside of him and, and, you know, and finding somebody um, like Brandon Niederauer who really feels it um, inside of them uh, that plays from their heart and not from their head. It's, it's, it, it's, it's a really special thing. And we've been really lucky. I mean, Levi, every, every, every single kid that we've had come through the show to this point does come from that world. You ask these kids what their musical influences are. None of them are saying Taylor Swift, um, they're all like Levi and talking about Rush and ACDC and Aerosmith and, you know, uh, you know, these great rock acts that, you know, that I grew up with and it's, and it was really kind of impressive to hear.
0: That's nice to hear because like the, you know, in the music industry, they're like, Oh, is rock dead talk? Like, you know, it was always sort of like yeah. humming in the background, but it's, you know, the fact that Levi is listening to these acts is like really encouraging and, it's not dead. That's not it's not die. dead. No. It no. no. never can. will die. Yeah. No. Rock
1: will never die.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what did you sing for your
1: audition? I sang uh, Best of You by the Foo Fighters. Uh. So my audition was, uh, for lack of a better term, nuts. <laughs> I had to come in and sing a rock song of my choice. I had to do. I mean, the lines for Dewey and the show are essentially it's it's a, a big monologue, <laughs> so I had to do ten pages of that. I had to play a guitar solo. I had to sing three of the songs from the show. One of them is a cappella. One of them was with music. So it's yeah, Dewey Dewey does a a bunch of stuff in the show and um, yeah. But I, again, I come I come from rock. And I love I love rock and roll and. Uh, I thought Foo Fighters was a fun choice for a, an audition song for a Broadway show. Yes. And this is one where you can do that and it, it works.
0: That's like a high note to come in on out of nowhere too. Oh,
1: I love it. I love me some Dave Grohl. Just yeah. screaming into that mic. Yeah.
0: it's uh, that seems intimidating, but yeah. I'm sure it's great when it works.
1: Yeah, I mean, I d- auditioned in, in a basement of a theater for, and there were like three people in the room and it was 11 o'clock in the morning and I walked in just screaming Foo Fighters. It was yes. great. <laughs> yeah. That's
2: one. I'm going to give that answer a B. That was a good answer. You're improving.
0: A, yeah, yeah, I'm improving. Great, great. Yes! Yes! By the end of the podcast. I have a can... confession to
3: make. <laughs> wow.
2: No, but in, in, in someone like Justin's case and in, in, in Levi's case and everyone that we've put in the show, there's something memorable that happens uh, in the audition room that very first time you see them where... Something clicks and you say, okay, well, maybe not every single piece is right where we'd like it to be, but there's something so memorable that you just know at that instant, like they're going to be in the show, you know, and that was specifically the case with with, with Justin.
1: Um when was the moment you knew I was gonna be in the show? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Don't answer that. Don't answer that. Honestly, the moment that I was that I was like,
2: oh my god, he actually can play guitar. We've had, we've, had, we've had a wide range like, oh my god, he can sing and act and and he can play guitar. You know, with with we've had we've had some Deweys that we've uh you know had to put through a lot of training to get them up to up to speed to play the role where Justin like came in and actually played a played a solo and I was like like that will work just as is <laughs> all of the pieces That'll are there work. he ticks every single box in terms of what we need musically so i'm good
1: yeah that was one that was actually a really uh, a fun moment for me so i i auditioned for andrew not everybody does but i remember i played the the solo from teacher's pet and he looked at me and went so you can play and i was like yes <laughs> that's amazing <yes."> <laughs>
0: I was gonna ask, like, I did, do you just have some fun Andrew Lloyd Webber stories to share? That's pretty great. That would be, that would be
1: yeah. I mean, that was uh, again. And at the end of my audition, uh, uh, he—I uh, remember—he said to me, uh, our, "Our director Lawrence—he uh, uh, wasn't there for the second time that I auditioned for the for the show, but uh, Andrew was there. And then at the end of the audition, he said, Oh you know, Lawrence, Lawrence liked you very much.' And that, and then I went. Uh, hope you did too. And then everybody but him laughed. And then I got my guitar and I walked out of the room. we <laughs> were like, and I'm done for the yeah, day. And I'm like, I hope this read well. Okay. Bye forever. <laughs>
2: I have to say, for me, the most memorable experience working with Andrew is is the fact that, you know, you think of Andrew Lloyd Webber and you think of all of these shows that he has written and how prolific he is as a, as, as a composer. But, you know, some people fail to, uh, to remember that, you know, even with the, with the, uh, title of Lord before his name, he's still,
0: he's a Lord. He's a lord. I thought he was yeah. only a sir.
2: No, no, he's a lord. He's Lord Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, wow. That he's, but he's still he's still time. a normal person. He likes all of the same things. He likes vacationing. He likes, <laughs> uh, you know, listening to music. And you know, I remember in some of my early interactions with him, and you know, he, he and I would go out for lunch or something. He would just like to talk about the music he listened to. You know, and and though he wrote the scores, you, you know, to Cats, to Phantom of the Opera, the reason w- why you hear that rock influence is because he's a rocker at heart, you know, but his his career started where doing anything rock and roll in theater was really pushing the envelope, you mm-hmm. know, because it wasn't it wasn't a common voice that you heard in musical theater and and and. and and thanks to him, that paved the way for, you know, every single rock and roll show that's happened on Broadway in the West End since.
0: Yeah, I I actually only saw Cats for the first time in this most recent revival. And as I was sitting there, I, I mean, like, I feel like Cats has become, you know, the show that's like equally loved and reviled, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> and as I was watching it, I was like... This is a truly strange show. Like, it's like, I can't imagine, you know, young Andrew Lloyd Webber going into some producer's office and being like, here's the idea.
1: I'm going to get 40 (laughs) people, I'm going to dress them as cats. We're going to take a T.S. Eliot poem, and they're going to sing about it on a pile of garbage. (laughs) It's like, beautiful. Beautiful. run for 20 years <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> like,
0: and they'll be doing ballet the and entire be doing time ballet. <laughs> the,
1: I, the first the first two musicals i ever saw were in the west end when i was 13 years old and they were both andrews shows i saw phantom the matinee of phantom and i left the matinee of phantom and i was like i love music theater i i want to do this forever this is the greatest thing i've ever seen when the chandelier fell all the music everything i was just i was blown away and i saw cats that night and i was like
2: huh
3: Uh,
1: I I was just, I'd never heard of T.S. Eliot, I was front row, there was just one cat in my face the entire time, just like rotating, and I was like, I'm not sure what the show is about, I don't, I don't think I understand, I'd love to go see it again, uh, as, as, as a, as an adult. But as a child, I was very confused as to what the cats were doing.
0: Yeah. I, the, the friends of mine who saw it as children, either it's the thing that, like, made them love musical theater, yeah. or they were, like, totally weirded out and frightened by b- being, like, climbed upon I was by a bit, I was a bit
1: scared. I was very confused. <laughs> yes.
0: There's, there are weird sexual undertones to cats, too. There's, like, the cat orgy. Like right. There's a lot going on in cats.
1: Levi, plug your ears. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's seen Read cats. a book. He knows cats.
2: <laughs> I, 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 I've actually I, I never
3: think, seen
2: it though.
0: No. Oh, you just know the music.
2: Yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm actually allergic. Well,
0: oh, I give that oh, joke a man. C. am C-. <laughs> only um, allergic to real
2: cats. I remember. I remember the first time I saw I saw Cats, and I had I had very mixed emotions. But one of the things that stuck with me, and the reason why I think it ran for twenty some odd years uh, in its original run on Broadway, is the fact that it pushed every single envelope and every single convention of what we prescribed to is musical theater, you know, it's not carousel. It was cats singing about a T.S. Eliot poem, telling the story of a T.S. Eliot poem, while doing ballet on a pile of garbage. Yeah, you know, and that was something, and getting in your face, and it was something that nobody had ever seen up oh, to that. Up
1: now, to that I'm like, uh, yeah. now I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah. Now I'm like, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. What a great, what an amazing
2: idea. You know, and, I, and I, you know, and 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 for me, that's precisely the re- reason why it spoke to so many people. It was like, oh, you can do what we can do what we can do what with our storytelling and again it influenced everything that I, you know that, that came after it in, in theater you know. And go
0: and going back to the rock influence in his work, too, I was like, I remember sitting in the theater and hearing, like, the synthesizer kick in. And I was yeah. like, yeah, like, that does kind of give you chills, I have to admit.
1: Oh, I just want to hear Steve <laughs> Perry sing Memory. Like, that would be so <laughs> great. Wouldn't that, that is, be great? Wow, yes. Just with Journey back in it? Yeah. You I, can take any of his music and transpose it onto a rock band. And it's,
0: I think it's I heard this morning that Steve Perry might be doing, like, <gasps> some new solo music. So oh, I would, like, put that number no. one on the wish list. No, that would oh, be she amazing was
2: just reading about that last night. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I know not to get please. too excited, but I was please, a little excited. Steve Perry. Please, <laughs>
1: please. Come back. If you listen to the Billboard on Broadway podcast, do something please. with Billy Joel.
0: Please.
2: <laughs> please. Amazing.
0: Well, I I will close the podcast on on a very deep note. I was I was thinking about, you know, like what what is so, you know, touching and relatable about this show. And, you know, I I think it's great that such a big part of it is about, like, that music education is, like, important and wonderful and, like, a great music teacher can change your life. Um, But it's not, like, an orchestra teacher. It's not, like, a country western show. So I I wondered if you think that the show is really just about, like, the transformative power of music in general or if there's something specific about it being rock that makes it so powerful.
1: I think that rock is... An accessible form of music. I think. I think that it's uh, like it's 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 simpler than uh, compositional music or, or, or orchestration. It's something that I think a lot of people can really relate to. And I think with kids, giving them. A, a, Music education, I think, is so important for kids because any time you can give uh, a kid a form of language that they can communicate other than, uh, like, speaking or or, or writing, like, tests in school, it's it's invaluable. So, uh, like, these kids speak to each other with their music and through their music. Like you said, like, Brandon plays guitar from his heart. Levi plays these drum solos, and they're different every night, and it's from his soul. And any time you can... Uh, teach kids uh, a, a different language or a different way to communicate or a different way to express themselves. I think that that's one of the most valuable things that you can that you can do. And our show really celebrates that. And uh, I can't uh, I, the, one of my favorite stories from this whole show is um, Rachel Katsky, who used to play uh, Katie, the bassist in our show came to see the show, had never played bass guitar before but went home and she said I'm going to be in that show and she went and she picked up the bass and she learned how to play it and she auditioned and she got in and that story happens a lot with the kids that we have in the show now that the show they they heard the language that the kids were speaking on stage through music and they took that back into their lives and they and they they grew because of it Yeah, Br- Brandon
2: Niederauer our original Zach in the show started to play guitar after going on a family trip and coming home in the back of their car was watching a movie and it was School of Rock with Jack Black. And he watched that movie and said, I want to play guitar.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And now he's playing, you know, Barclays with Scorpion and, you know, doing all sorts of amazing things. But, you know, it, it, it's it's because of that. For, for me growing up, the, the transformative power of music was the fact that it was... I mean, it was like therapy for me. It was therapeutic. You know, my parents had a tough time on the weekends pulling me away from the piano, like, go play outside. No, I'm going to sit here for six hours and just, you know, play Billy Joel tunes, you know, Um, or play Journey. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, because it, you know, it allowed me to express things that I I didn't even have words for, you Mm -hmm. know, at at the age of, you know, six, seven, eight years old, 10 years old, you know, and I still feel that way.
0: Amazing. Well, thanks for coming you guys.
2: Thank you. Levi They there's a, t- can't t- there see was a the tiny thumbs up, thumbs up from a, Levi. Was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: of Rock is playing on Broadway until January 20th of next year, so if you're in New York, I encourage you to go see it. The Billboard on Broadway podcast is now on many new platforms. In case you're not aware, we are no longer only on iTunes and Acast, but also on Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher, among many other places where you might find your favorite podcast. So please subscribe wherever it is that you listen. Uh, give us lots of nice reviews and stars. As always, if you want to tweet about the podcast, use hashtag BillboardOnBroadway. I am at Rebecca Millsoff, or if you want to look us up on Instagram, I'm at You with RMM, and hope to have you back next week. Blah, 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 blah.